You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. 10. The first sign that something was wrong inside was that the doorman was gone. The restaurant itself should have been open for business, but when Jim opened the door, there was no sign of either waiters or guard. He stepped through the door in the temple painting and headed down the stairs. The music was off, which in itself was also unusual. Jim gripped the gun in his pocket and walked slowly down the steps, being very aware of the curvature of the wall. He didn't want to be surprised by someone jumping out at him. When he reached the bottom and stepped into the club, he looked around, taking the scene in as a photograph. The tables were overturned, and the firelights lying on their sides, creating the flames he had seen in his vision. Michael must have been in here to see it, despite Bob's not having seen him. The bar counter had several broken bottles lying on it. Next to it were two bodies. Jim didn't recognize them, but they didn't look particularly human. One had his head smashed in with a whiskey bottle. At the end of the bar, leaning against the end wall, stood Bob. He had his hands tied together, and they were tied again to one of the large sculpted flames over his head. He stood on his tiptoes, and his tail looked like it had been halfway ripped off, judging by the amount of blood dripping from it. Sitting in one of the chairs next to Bob, with his side turned to the door, was the man Jim had looked for these last few days. He looked exactly as he had been described and as Jim had seen him in the vision, except for one detail. Michael was wearing only a pair of black pants, and the tattoo that Mary Louise had described to him as a bird was now clearly visible. The wings were not bird's wings, but angel wings, stretching from the full-sized angel the man had tattooed on his upper body. The wings reached all the way up his neck, the tips almost touching his ears. The image was magnificent, and must have taken a long time to make, not to mention maintain since Jim knew from experience how hard it was to have a tattoo made when your body healed as fast as his did. The angel carried a flaming sword, matching the one Michael himself was holding in his hand. The real one did not have actual flames spouting from the blade, but in the light of the club, it looked like it did. Jim. Michael's voice was warm as he spotted him. I'm so glad you made it here. Don't be. If you think I'm going to let you hurt any more of my friends, you are sorely mistaken. Your friends? Michael pointed with the handle of the sword at Bob, who raised his head. Jim could see black spots of blood on his red cheeks and assumed he probably lost a few teeth. In the back of his mind, he wondered what the dentist would say when Bob sat down in the chair for a repair job. Yeah, exactly. Bob's a good guy. He's not the son of Satan. He's a bar owner, catering to the people who can't go anywhere else. Which he's going to have a hard time doing now, after you killed two of his customers. 
They were demons, Jim. Unclean in the eyes of the Lord. Not like you and I. Jim began walking slowly towards Michael. I'm getting really sick of you thinking we are the same, buddy. You and I are nothing alike. I died and came back, and I have no idea why. But I most certainly don't think some god is responsible for it, and I don't delude myself into thinking I'm his instrument of divine vengeance. Where the hell did you come up with that idea? Michael smiled. When I woke up after my accident, my wounds closed, my body healed. I saw the angel speak to me. He explained to me I was imbued with the spirit of an angel who had come to earth. An angel who was going to fulfill God's plans and destroy the doubters, the unclean, and the faithless. So he told you to kill a little girl for snickering at her choir teacher? A little boy for what? Not saying morning prayer in school? And twelve people at a comic exhibition? Do you realize how ridiculous that sounds, Michael? Jim stuck his right hand into his pocket. Quiet. Michael's smile seemed to falter a bit. I will kill this abomination now, and then you and I can decide if we want to join forces. God would want us to. God would want you to spare the life of an innocent man if you believe in him. I don't. But I do know one thing from my days in Catholic school. You say you've got the soul of an angel in you? You know what they call angels that live on earth? A fallen angel. That's the same as a demon. Hi, this is Klaus Holm, and I'm the creator of Tempest Investigations. If you like TV shows like Buffy, Angel, and Supernatural, you should check out Tempest Investigations. Listen to it on TFN, creator-distributed, fan-supported. That is a lie, Michael shouted, getting to his feet and raising his sword over his head. Jim was ready, and the moment the sword was lifted, he fired the gun three times through the pocket of his jacket. The first two bullets struck Michael in the upper torso, throwing him back over the table. The last shot missed completely, and Jim heard it ricochet from something on the wall. Jim leaped forward, pulling his hand out of his pocket and threw himself over the table on top of Michael. He knew the bullets would not keep Michael down for more than a few moments now that the element of surprise was gone. He landed on top of Michael's body and gripped his arms. He held on for a mere second before the other man seemed to muster up his strength and threw him off. Jim could see the large wounds closing as he rolled to his feet. This is a battle you cannot win, Jim, Michael said, wiping the blood off his chest. I am stronger than you and armed. I am God's chosen. Is that so? Jim asked, as he began moving in a circle. Michael raised his sword to shoulder height and moved counter to him, beginning a dance around the overturned table. Jim pulled the gun out of his pocket, holding it in his right hand. There were still three bullets left. Now war arose in heaven, Michael quoted, and Michael and his angels fought the dragon. You're delusional. Jim said, shaking his head. You're no more an angel than I am. Then what are you, Jim? What are you if not an angel of God? I'm Jim Corrigan of Chicago. That's all I need to know. And all you need to... 
Jim's words were cut short when Michael suddenly leaped forward, jumping over the table and ran at him with his sword raised. Jim thanked his luck for the fact that he wasn't wearing his normal coat. Had he been wearing it, it would have hindered his movements when he let himself fall to his knees, avoiding the sword's blade only by inches. He used the momentum to slide between Michael's legs, raised both hands with the gun clasped in them, pressed it into Michael's groin, and pulled the trigger three times. The sound was deafening, and Michael's scream was piercing. Jim would have sworn that it was also an octave higher than his normal voice. He dropped the sword and clutched his groin, staggering a moment on his legs. Jim wasted no time but grabbed the sword from the floor and got to his feet, holding the sword to Michael's neck. Angels don't have genitals, according to everything I ever read. But I was counting on you not being quite so much of a Ken doll. Michael lifted his head and looked at him. You have gone against the will of the Lord and sided with the demons. Actually, I choose to think of this as just the other way around, buddy. I think it's pretty clear who of us is on the wrong side. And I'm truly sorry that I have to do this. Jim lifted the sword high, looking Michael in the eyes. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, Michael whispered. Good for you, Jim said, as he let the blade drop 